entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builder Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got a long way to go. Yes, we all got a long way to go. Welcome to the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. The show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builder Show, and along with my executive producer, D.C. Taylor, we will be your guides on this learning journey. Let me tell you my super objective in being with you today. I want to enthusiastically share stories and information to inspire leaders, and if you're listening to this podcast, you are a leader, so you can inspire others. My guest with me today is Jackie Jenkins-Scott. Hi, Jackie. How are you? Good morning, Marty. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm going to do an introduction of uh, Jackie Jenkins-Scott. I'm going to tell you about her book, and then we're going to have a wonderful conversation. So, Jackie Jenkins-Scott is a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach. She is a nationally recognized leader with more than three decades of experience in senior and executive leadership positions in public health and higher education. She is widely recognized as a transformational leader helping individuals and institutions achieve high performance and strategic results. She served for 21 years as the president of the of Demic Community Health and 12 years as the president of, how do you pronounce that college? Wheelock. Wheelock. That's what I thought it was. And, and in 2016, uh, Let's see here. In 2016, Jackie founded JJS Advising, focusing on leadership development and organizational strategy. Well, that was a lot to uh, the introduction, but you're going to understand why it's important. Uh, I got connected to Jackie uh, because of the book that she wrote, and that book title is The Seven Secrets of Responsive Leadership. The subtitle says Drive Change manage transitions, and help any organization turn around. Now, even before I get to the first question, stay with me, listeners. Um, Here's what is said about the book. At its core, this book is about the intimate relationship between leadership and opportunity. At its core, this book is about the intimate relationship between leadership and opportunity. So, Jackie Jenkins, Scott, again, welcome to the Business Builder Show. Let's start this way. In your book, you say, I think it's actually page one, it says the strongest leaders have these four characteristics. I'll I'll read them. Curiosity, humility, empathy, and resilience. Jackie, talk to me about those. Great. Thank you, Marty. Well, you know, um, given these turbulent and toxic times right now, there's a lot of conversation about leadership and what, what, you know, qualities great leaders possess, and do we, are we seeing them now? Um, and I think at its core, leadership is about values. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, in some ways, we wear our values on our sleeves. They come out at some point. Mm-hmm. And so when I started thinking about uh, my own journey as a leader, um, I, I came up with, uh, these four attributes, and I can't say that I, I own them all myself. I, I actually was at a, uh, a business uh, board member um, group of uh, leaders, mm-hmm. business leaders, 
And we had a conversation about leadership attributes. And I think at the end of the dinner, we kind of, we kind of came to these four as all encompassing because when you think about uh, the role of leader and nowadays uh, with this being just two days after uh, the birthday of, of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, you sort of think about, we reflect on what it takes to really do these jobs, mm. uh, whether we're starting our own company and uh, we're a, a, a new entrepreneur or we're a social entrepreneur trying to do uh, create a, a program that's uh, good for society, or um, we are leader of a Fortune 100 company. Mm-hmm. Leaders are, are always in vulnerable positions, and we, um, in some ways, we wear our values on our sleeves, what mm-hmm. we believe in. Mm-hmm. And I happen to believe that these uh, four attributes, I call them attributes, are really uh, critical to uh, our leadership role uh, and our ability to be successful in that role as a leader. So I talk about curiosity, I talk about humility, I talk about empathy, and I talk about resilience. And um, and when I say these four attributes kind of encompass so many other things that we think about, because leaders are often described by, you know, action words, oh, the visionary person or the innovative leader or the creative leader, um, to be all of those things, to be innovative and uh, creative and visionary, you have to be curious, I think. Mm. Uh, not only curious about what's going on in the world, uh, but curious about the people that make your company go. Uh, curious about um, what is happening uh, in this fast-changing world that we ought to attend to. So curiosity, in my judgment, drives innovation. It mm. drives the ability to be visionary. Mm-hmm. Um, And so when I think about humility, um, I think some of the greatest leaders are those leaders who basically say, I don't know it all. Mm -hmm. Uh, I need to learn from, I can learn from you. I have the ability to learn and grow. Um, So uh, my my father-in-law actually, (laughs) he used to say this all the time, Um, uh, Seek the very best advice you can, and then do what? Follow it. (laughs) (laughs) How profound, huh? (laughs) Very profound. But humility, uh, this ability to say, I don't know it all, uh, and um, I can uh, learn from others, uh, I think is one of the most important part uh, qualities that great leaders uh, distribute or show. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then this, this... uh, ability to empathize. Uh, you know, leaders have to make very hard decisions, whether we're, you know, in a startup situation, whether we're in a start, you know, slow down situation. Uh, we have to, to make very hard decisions. And sometimes those decisions impact uh, the lives of, of our, our workers, our employees, our mm-hmm. colleagues. Mm-hmm. And that's a a burden to bear. Uh, and I think when we can try to walk in the other shoes, um, that will uh, allow us to to make those decisions in a way that ultimately 
while it may be painful and hard, uh, will leave us feeling with a sense of integrity. Mm -hmm. A quick story, Marty. My cousin worked for a company in L.A., and uh, we happened to be talking with her, and she was very upset. And she said uh, she had worked for that company for six or seven years, and they got two weeks' notice that the company was selling uh, the division she worked in to uh, an offshore company. And they were going to, going to be out of work in two, two weeks. And what they were told was their last paycheck depended on them training a team from India to hmm. do their job. Hmm. And so they were, you know, she was, they were really upset. And I thought about, you know, the responsive leader. Are there some other ways that that company could have handled that situation? Not saying change the decision. Mm. Yes, we're going to sell this unit to another company outside of the United States. But you think about the way those employees felt and the way they were treated. And uh, that was, for me, an example of what not being a responsive leader is about. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you didn't have to change the decision, but you could have treated your workers in a different way. Could they have incentivized people to stay and work with the on the new company? Uh, were there other ways to treat those employees who left uh, with a very, very bad taste mm-hmm. uh, uh, for the company and also just left feeling really, really horrible? Mm-hmm. And I wondered, you know, my cousin happens to be you know, one of these very hard workers who will be, you know, one of the ones who will turn the lights out. But I thought about the workers who were training people who may not have had that attitude. Mm-hmm. And what kind of training did they actually get? Um, so uh, this ability to have empathy and to think about how our decisions are impacting the people around us, the people mm-hmm. who work with us and who work for us is really, um, I think, you know, one of those um, really key attributes. And then finally, you know, resilience, because every leader, every company will have its ups and its downs. And the ability to keep plugging away and moving through it uh, and figuring out uh, if we if we really are a curious person, figuring out how... You know, we can be better, the company can be better, the organization can be better through these transitions. And in some ways, um, you know, when I've thought about my career and I've thought about, you know, life in general, we're always in a transition of some type. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whether we acknowledge that Mm -hmm. and uh, understand it, uh, we are. We're creating a new product. We're creating a new program at the college. We're moving uh, this group to that group, or we're closing down a program and starting a new program, or we're building, you know, starting a new product um, line for our company. We're always in some sort of transition, and mm-hmm. the, ability, the ability to bounce back and work through those transitions um, are, are one of those attributes that I think great leaders um, display. So, Jackie, these uh, attributes, characteristics, traits of curiosity, humility, empathy, and resilience, they, um, they are 
foundational in your work in the book. Uh, you refer to them often. We're going to get into the seven seven secrets of responsive leadership. And again, I'll say the book's title is The Seven Secrets of Responsive Leadership. And my guest is Jackie Jenkins Scott. <clears throat> A website you can go to find out more about her is jjsadvising.com. And also, there's a book, uh, there's a website for the book, and just go to the seven secrets of responsive leadership.com, I guess. So, okay, so the foundations there. Um, I think we have to go here, Jackie. So much of your, mm-hmm. so much of your work, obviously, all these years, you've spent a lot of time, and you refer to the two institutions, the two organizations that mm-hmm. I referred to in your introduction. Tell me. Uh, briefly about those two uh, organizations. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, the first organization is was um, called the New England Hospital for Women and Children. Uh, both of these organizations uh, that I spent the bulk of my career were um, value-based organizations. They were mission-driven institutions. Um, and um, mission to better or serve humanity. Uh, I've also had the privilege of serving on some incredible boards of directors, uh, both for-profit and non-profit. So when I think about leadership qualities, um, I take into consideration um, both my uh, professional experience as a leader and my uh, experiences as a contributor to um, organizational growth and, and value in the case of, of um, uh, the for-profits that I've served on. But the New England Hospital for Women and Children, when I arrived, um, it was started in the 1800s by Polish uh, immigrants mm-hmm. who came to this country so that they could practice medicine as, as uh, women. And like so many institutions and like our lives, uh, the hospital had its ups and downs. And it had closed as a practicing hospital uh, in the in the mid 1960s. So it survived for over 100 years um, and uh, turned into a community uh, health and human services center. Mm-hmm. It sat in the middle of um, uh, Boston's impoverished neighborhood and uh, sat on 10 acres of land. Mm-hmm. When I came, uh, the hospital was in bankruptcy. Mm. And um, so, you know, the, the, the judge and the, I think the, the uh, court-appointed receiver kind of thought, um, I think we're going to um, close this place down and salt the land um, and uh, let it emerge at some, uh, some other point. Um, it sat on a hill, and you literally could, on a clear day, uh, see downtown Boston. Mm-hmm. From this spot, so it was a it was a pretty nice spot. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, sometimes uh, Marty, when we encounter something, we have um, we have an emotional reaction. Mm-hmm. And when I read that report, and I, I you know walked on the campus and walked the campus, uh, something in my heart said, uh, "That's not right." Uh, this institution was started by these courageous women. Lots of firsts in its history, trained the first uh, professional nurse in the United States, and and lots of firsts. And I just thought, um, it's needed, it's needed, it has a value, and um, we need to do all we can to preserve it. 
So I, I thought I would be there like two or three years. <laughs> I ended up being there 21 years, but it was, um, you know, an incredible time in, in my life mm-hmm. uh, to, to help an organization turn around. And, and that's where I learned a, a lot about turning around uh, organizations that sure what it takes, the lessons, grit, the lessons, resilience, lessons. the, yeah. the uh, respect for the people who, you know, even companies that are closing, those, you know, workers, um, you know, the loyalty and the commitment to these uh, organizations are important to honor and recognize. And um, part of leadership role is, you know, um, to, to lift people up, even mm-hmm. when we are in uh, crisis mode. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, the beginning of uh, 21 years, um, and uh, uh, lots of the stories in my book talk about some of the experiences. The first uh, chapter in the book, I talk about opportunity, um, and I learned a lot about uh, even when we're in very challenging times, if we are open and we're using and practicing those four attributes that we talked about a few minutes ago, things can come to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just a quick example, uh, the hospital was uh, built over the course of, of you know, and several decades, beautiful old Victorian buildings. It was really, they were beautiful buildings. But when I arrived there, they were all dilapidated mm-hmm. and falling down. Um, we even had a vacant building that the squirrels and the homeless people lived in. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we had to encounter and embark on a course of um, lifting up that facility so that the people who came there uh, for their health care and the people who worked there could feel proud and good about uh, what they were doing because they were providing excellent care in very unfortunate um, circumstances. Mm-hmm. And um, we ended up just, you know, very quickly, we ended up getting the entire campus listed on the National um, uh, Register of Historic Places. Stroke, Why of, stroke of genius, huh? Stroke of genius. And you had, <laughs> you had help coming, uh, coming to that conclusion, right? Yes, because, you know, otherwise those buildings were going to get torn down mm-hmm. and salted away. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't know anything about the National Register of Historic Places, but through curiosity and through, you know, just pure grit and digging and talking with people and trying to figure out, you know, how do we find millions of dollars to turn this place around uh, over the course of, you know, and, you know, a number of years we were able to do that. But one of the first encounters was I met someone who was, you know, totally, involved in historic preservation Mm -hmm. and that was his mission in life and i learned a lot about historic preservation and he um really led us through a process to get the the center listed on the national register of historic places which means it can never be torn down (laughs) (laughs) that's a switch that's a change huh talk about a turnaround (laughs) wow yeah, and I guess from the one building that you uh, threw the squirrels out, but you uh, helped uh, some of the folks who were staying there in that dilapidated building. Am I correct? Yeah, what we did was it turned into we we raised money and it um, 
you know, uh, in Massachusetts at that time, and, and it still happens in some parts of the country, uh, women who were uh, incarcerated and pregnant, and, and most often these women were incarcerated for, you know, small uh, crimes that were not, um, you know, violent crimes and right. that kind of thing. But if you were incarcerated and you were pregnant, you, you had the baby, they, they took you out of the prison to have the baby, but in 24 hours, you lost that baby, and you were back in prison. Wow. And um, so we were able to take that building. It was a beautiful building. It was, it was the laundry building for the hospital, so that's kind of... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and turn it into a residential program for pregnant, incarcerated women. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, three or four months before they were to have the baby, they could come and stay in this uh, facility, mm-hmm. and they could stay for up to six months after they had the baby. Mm. And it was an opportunity for them to, you know, um, think about their lives, uh, get in, in, in training programs and, and other kinds of uh, supports for themselves and for their babies and um, wow. be wow. able to hold on to their babies. So that's what we ended up uh, using the building that uh, the squirrels were living in uh, for. <laughs> yeah. So give me a brief description of your uh, time in education. And Well, you know, after 21 years, uh, and I, I learned something during that 21 years, um, I uh, had a, a kind of a mentor who was a very wealthy uh, real estate developer in uh, the Boston area, and he was... Uh, we would we would go to lunch every you know few months, and he he had to, became very fond uh, of him, and I think he was fond of me. And um, every few years, uh, I would get uh, I would say it's time for me to go. You know, I'd been at Demi ten years or twelve years or fifteen years, and he would always ask me the question: Is it the same job? And one of the things I learned with uh, with leaders, we are always in transition, and with the very rapid changes in society, our jobs are, are changing. So I would say about every two years, I had a different job. Mm, and, yeah. um, same position, so, but doing different things, right? Same position, doing different things. Yeah. And that's this ability of adapt, you know, this business of adaptability, of, you know, resilience of, 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 you know, grit staying in there, but the job is, is changing. But after about 20 years, I also felt like it was time to move on. And um, so, you know, I, I, it was a job that I had absolutely loved and adored, but I, I also believe that uh, at some point in our careers, we think about ourselves and we shouldn't be the institution. We represent the institution. Mm-hmm. And so I talk about in the book, you know, mm-hmm. thinking about transitions. When is the time to stay and when is the time to go? And right. I thought, um, it, you know, it was time for me to um, to move on. And, and I thought about the kind of institution I could do well uh, at, with with some help, by the way. Sure. <laughs> I, sure. Had, I was very fortunate. I had, you know, strong advice and good people to help me kind of think about next steps. But um, so I ended up going to a college that was in another kind of turnaround situation. It was an institution 
so happened it was started by women uh, more than 100 years ago, focusing on education and, um, you know, human services, social services. And um, it was in trouble. It, too, was uh, in need of a, a turnaround. So um, I, was very, I'm, I was very attracted to that kind of situation. Enrollment was flat. It was mm-hmm. a private liberal arts college in Boston where we have 37 institutions of higher education where we did at that time. We, we have a few left right now. So it was a very challenging situation. How do we hold on to a mission and values and legacy while also um, finding ourselves in a very highly competitive environment where the cost of higher education was escalating yes. quickly? Um, the institution was, um, you know, the city of Boston was changing uh, in terms of the demographics and the institution was kind of stuck in in um, in, in the past. So, so, so Jackie, um, let me let me cut you off there because um, you're telling the story of transitions and turnaround, and people can learn more about you know these two locations. I wanted to give them the foundation, and you gave it to me of the transitions. Here, I want to because I, I, you know we only have a few minutes left. I here's what I want sure. to here's what I want to hear from Jackie Jenkins Scott. When you were writing this book, who are you writing it for? That's a great question. Uh, I think I was writing it for uh, young young leaders, leaders who are emerging leaders, uh, leaders who are new in their companies or starting their companies or on the ladder up. But also I wanted to give uh, an opportunity for more seasoned leaders uh, you know, we all go through in our career ups and downs, and sometimes I, uh, we are we are in, you know, kind of a holding position ourselves. And I wanted to give some nuggets for uh, seasoned leaders who are are thinking about, you know, where I am, what what my company is doing, what my organization is doing, how am I leading. Uh, to give them some thoughts as well. So I, I would say I'm, I'm aiming the book at, at those two audiences, and I, I hope um, all people who are, are leaders, or um, and we all are leaders in some way, Marty. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, we we'll say that. some targets in the book. Right, we say that. Uh, and again, there's uh, seven secrets um, that we don't have time to go into, but... Uh, Jackie just basically described the different things. Uh, one of the favorite ones that you did a good job of describing is uh, secret number three. Keep your bags mm-hmm. packed. Now, we're not going to talk about that, Jackie. They have to get the book to, to, yeah. to learn to learn more about this. I found it excellent reading. I felt your heart while I was reading it. It impacted me. I, I got emotional about it. I, I think you're, I know your message is very strong. I hope that uh, our chat today helps the folks that you're reaching out to. Um, again, I'm going to give the title of the book, and it's the same as the website, The Seven Secrets of Responsive Leadership. And the website is .com, the seven secrets of com. You want to follow more and learn more about Jackie and her work now, you can go to jjsadvising.com. That's jjsadvising.com. So Jackie Jenkins-Scott, it's been an honor to meet you. It's been an honor to read your book, and I'm so glad that you're part of the Business Builder Show. 
Thank you so much. It was a great conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the Business Builders Show. To learn more about me and I'm Marty Wolf, go to MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. That's MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. To learn more about Kelly Hoey, go to her website, which is jkellyhoey.co. That's jkellyhoey.co. And, of course, you can find Kelly and Marty on LinkedIn and Twitter. A reminder, you can find all our Business Builders shows on iTunes, Spotify, and on your favorite podcast app. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf.